Welcome to the Weekly Beat by Mansa with your hosts Arnold Segawa, Maggie Mutesi, and Dumi Jere, giving you all the info on Africa's big finance and economic stories. The Weekly Beat by Mansa. A warm welcome to uh, yet another edition on uh, these specials that uh, we are bringing you, of course, uh, the United Nations Conference on Trade and Development in conjunction with the Mansa Media, making sure that uh, you don't miss a thing that is uh, transpiring at uh, the Global Commodities Forum. That's, of course, uh, being hosted by uh, the United Nations Conference on Trade and Development. And uh, it's only fair that uh, we do hear from uh, several participants. Today, we do have uh, Miss uh, Isabel Durant, who is the Deputy Secretary General at uh, ANCTAD. A pleasure to have you. Uh, need I mention, as always, I'm not alone. I also do have uh, my co-host, uh, Dumi Jere. Um, as we uh, try to unpack this uh, a very fast conversation around uh, commodities and uh, what the future holds for trade. Uh, Ms. Durant, uh, thank you for joining us from Switzerland. It's a pleasure to be with you today and I will try to answer on the best way to your question. As we wouldn't expect less, rather. <laughs> uh, thank you for that. Let's start it off simple. Um, your expectations uh, for this particular inaugural conference, uh, should I add? Yeah, it's really important for us to start uh, the process the, for the conference of UNCTAD 15, which is the quadrennial conference of our organization, but start with the question of global commodities if, is for us really key. Why? Because, of course, commodity is something which is basically and actually a fantastic potential that countries could have, I don't know, how many resources, natural resources, mineral resources, all resources. It's, of course, uh, uh, normally or theoretically, it's something which is really an opportunity. But we know how problematic it could be and especially the commodity dependence, which is problematic. And it's why for us, it is so significant problem that it was important to start the process of UNCTAD 15 with this important issue, especially for Africa, because a lot of countries are really depending on commodities, especially in Africa. And uh, 60 until 70% of their export is depending of commodities. Why is it a problem? But it's a problem because of the price of commodities. You extract the commodities, oil, mineral, I don't know what, and then you are, the government of the country doesn't have any power on the price because the price is determined by mm-hmm. the international market. And it means that when the price are increasing, okay, it's a quick win for the country, quick winning for the fiscal space, for the resources, for incomes, for people working in this sector. But suddenly the price could really go down and it becomes a real problem because there is no previsibility, no capacity to plan and to be sure that on middle and long term that it could be something which is really benefit for the development of the country. So that's the biggest reason of the problem of commodities, because normally having resources is something which is, of course, very useful and very positive. But it's not the case because of the price. And also because of the capacity from the country to transform the products or the raw materials. It's not only a question of extraction. You extract your raw material, but if you are not transforming them, you have not mm. the, all the benefit or the value added of the transformation is for the developed world and not for the mm. developing countries, which is also something which is really problematic in the dependence of commodities. Domi. Mm. Isabel, bonjour. Bonjour. <laughs> Hello. Ah, ça va? 
Ça va bien? Yeah, um, that's the little bit of French that I still remember from okay. high school. <laughs> okay, we can do more. Si vous voulez parler français, pas de problème. Yes, you must teach me some more. Africain, francophone, je dis bonjour depuis Genève. But we can continue in English, of course. Okay. Uh, I think you can add the G. Uh, that's also... Uh, <laughs> Firstly, thank you for this opportunity to chat with you. What you were saying resonates with something that um, is very prevalent, um, particularly, like you mentioned, in African countries. On the one hand, several countries are trying to graduate or move to a stage where they build sort of long-term sustainable futures that will then, at the end of the day, help them to overcome poverty and other social and economic inequalities. That's on the one hand. On the other hand, you've got COVID-19 crisis that is uh, compromising some of these efforts. And then on the other hand, you've got uh, the sustainable development goals that um, need to be achieved. I guess my question is around how the Global Commodities Forum is going to encompass all these three together and uh, bring them to the fore. But thank you to mention those aspects of, of course, COVID-19, but also SDG and graduation of the countries, because it's true that uh, commodity dependence is really something which is as I just mentioned, uh, which is problematic regarding those three goals, be graduated and so be able to really develop on a sustainable way the countries and uh, fight against poverty, inequalities, etc. COVID-19, of course, exacerbated a lot of dependence. And it's true mm. that the commodity dependence increased with mm. the, the COVID-19 issues. And why? It's also because with the COVID-19, we discover so obviously the model of hyper-globalization and hyper-dependence. And we have seen that, for instance, the manufacturation of a lot of products are done in China. We knew it, of course, but uh, it, it really was perceived as globally as a big problem, especially for all the issues related to vaccine, to all the medical and health products that we need in each country. And it's why uh, COVID-19 exacerbated a little bit what uh, pre-existed before. Uh, COVID, it means that it increased the dependence of the countries also because of the transportation issue, because you remember that uh, all the flows of goods were blocked during the lockdown or blocked yes. or really decreased a lot. And it was also something the maritime transport, for instance, was a lot of delay in the furniture. And it's why it's really important that COVID-19 could be combat, not only on the commodities aspect, but on the global picture of development. Mm -hmm. That's why the conference of Fukuoka 15 is so important, not because we are the best. I think we tried to be the best, but because it's really a momentum where we have to show that COVID-19 push us to do more quickly, differently, and not only to build back better, but to build back differently. We mm. have to change the rules of the game. Uh, that's something, if, of course, which is not easy. We cannot do that as UNCTAD, but what we can do is try, and what that we will try to do in this commodity forum, but also in the conference as such, to give the tone and encourage all the developing countries and also all African countries to be aligned on the same line in order to push for change the rules of the game, for instance, regarding, in this case, commodities issue. But not only, it's a question of fiscal space for a lot of developing countries. They were affected by COVID-19 and especially for the socioeconomic consequences. 
but they have not enough fiscal space to address the problems. Uh, and that's exactly the opposite of the developed world where a lot of things were done in order to support economy, to really support the different sectors. And they spend a lot of money uh, for support the economy, what is, of course, understandable. But it was not the case in the developing world and especially in Africa. And it's why COVID-19 pushed us to do more, to do mm-hmm. differently. So, yes, commodity dependence increased in the following of the COVID-19 issues. And it's why uh, we have to address all those issues together. It's not commodities alone. It's commodities as mm. a process for development, a process to mm. increase the incomes and the condition of work in a lot of sectors in those countries of extraction, because it's also a social issue. It's not only an economic issue. Mm. Hey, Isabel, uh, I think uh, we should have done maybe an hour for this podcast because you're hitting some, uh, <laughs> uh, very, <laughs> some, some very, very, uh, there's words that I hear and I just uh, beam with excitement. You know, whenever I hear fiscal space, 2020 was just the pinnacle of uh, exposing our lack of fiscal space, at least on the yeah. sub-Saharan Africa. In your first points, you mentioned uh, issues around over-reliance on commodities, at least for some of the developing nations. And this had me thinking Dutch disease, uh, this uh, over-reliance on the few commodities that we actually produce on the continent. And it has me thinking, uh, take 2020, right? Crude oil was trading at uh, below zero US dollars. Those are future prices. I want now to pick your brain as someone who sits down with policymakers. You've been a policymaker yourself. You've been a, a minister in Belgium for years and years. How do you sit down and push this conversation and have a constructive conversation, let's say what you're having at Antad this time around, and have a thoughtful conclusion towards what can be done for some African states that are overly dependent on, let's say, commodities, on, let's say, oil. I'm talking about the likes of Nigeria, whereby if there's any shock that happens today on oil prices globally, like you mentioned, the prices are not determined by many of these commodity extractors. Mm. How then do they position themselves to make sure that we are no longer uh, followers? But uh, you get where I'm going with this. No, no, it's true that, of course, it's a very complex issue and there is no one recept in order to, to go out of this dependency. Nevertheless, the question of diversification of uh, a new niche that mm. you can develop in your countries in other sectors than only oil. Of course, oil, the decreasing of oil price is a big problem for a lot of countries. But we know finally on long term that probably if there is one day an agreement on the fossil fuel subsidies, it will disappear. I think that the end of the fossil fuel as the biggest uh, or the main energy base is it's the end of this process. It's why it's so important to develop other sources of revenue, diversification of economy, trying to invest in, in this case, on uh, renewable energies and trying to look at on the long term. Of course, the countries, as you mentioned, they have to prove and to demonstrate their ability to address a lot of problems, poverty, revenue, etc., inequalities. So I know how difficult it is for a government to work on the long term and on the same time to address the problems that the population is asking for and are expected because their expectations are totally legitimate to change the situation for them. So that's really the difficulty of the political exercise. Work on the long term, trying to impulse the diversification, the skills that you need to create industry. I take the example of Botswana. They did for the diamond sector, for a long time they changed 
change uh, uh, their way to work and then developed an industry for transformation of diamond. I'm not a specialist of mm. diamond. Nevertheless, mm. Mm. they are able to export them not only as raw material, but with a real value chain of uh, transformation of diamond. And I think that that's really what all the dependent countries have to think about and to plan Plan means also not only plan, but it means resources, investment. It means to build capacity, transfer of technology in order to be, it's also the case for vaccine, for example. We know important it could be to have a waiver for um, intellectual property rights for vaccine COVID-19. But it's also important to develop on the same time the capacity to develop an industry to build or to produce vaccine, but also medical, etc., etc. And the countries have done this effort before we are a little bit better equipped to address the question of the pandemic for the vaccine and the medical equipment. So diversification is something which is key and it requires um, to work on long term, not only for the time of your mandate, not only the four years are you, you're, when you are elected for uh, this position. <laughs> I, know, I know how difficult it is huh? because <laughs> having been myself in this position, well, uh, you have to deliver. So uh, it's important to work on the long term. Necessarily, you are not re-elected for that. But yes, for the development of your country, your goal is not only your re-election, your goal is also to change something on a, a really sustainable way in your country. And that's something which is, and the country has to be supported in this effort. That's also the question of the arrangement contract for the exportation of the raw material. How could you change the rules of the game when you are bound by a contract? So that's also mm. a legal aspect to change the condition of the contract. So all those questions which are not which are a little bit technical but so important to step by step decrease this reliability, this dependence from commodities. It, it's not the same in agriculture as, for instance, in the, the mineral sector or in the oil sector, because, of course, that's a very different sector. But especially having a, a good analysis on how, which are the steps, not only the wish for the future or the gain that you could quickly have with commodities – when the price is good, or wait just for an increasing of the price. Uh, it's not a strategy because on middle term, you have to adapt your economy to develop other aspects. And I think, mm. for instance, on digitalization, digital economy is also something which could change a lot uh, for the economic benefit. And Africa can not only be the client of the digitalization, but really a producer of data in order to really uh, develop this capacity to have a benefit of the digital economy and not only be a client of the big platforms in the world. So all this diversification issue is key. And it's why, for instance, we developed a tool for the government, which what we call the Productive Capacity Index. It's a way to show where you are weak and where you are strong enough in the um, education training in with natural capital, with human capital, with digitalization in order to develop your industry because industry requires, for instance, electricity, at least. <laughs> That's the minimum level of producing a, a permanent uh, electricity production. So productive capacity is also something which is important to develop other sector than only 
the basket of, I don't know, oil, mineral, or in some countries, it's also tourism. When you look at some uh, small island states or some countries even in Africa, having a lot of developed a lot of tourism, of course, with the pandemic, they can lose a lot from one day to another uh, with all the consequences for the country, revenue, jobs for people, and all and fiscal space are totally lost. So diversification and step for diversification, which is, of course, a long-term process, is something which is also key to change the rules of the game on commodities. Yeah. So, uh, Isabel, I'm originally from uh, Malawi, even though I'm now based in South Africa and doing business all over the continent of Africa. One thing that stands out for me being from Malawi is how, for example, as a country, it finds itself in two extremes. Either there is too much water and therefore there's flooding in the country or there's no water at all or there's no rain at all, let me put it that way, uh, which results in a drought situation. And all of this is a result of uh, climate change. And so when I look at uh, the sessions that you're going to be having uh, around food security, smart agriculture, uh, sustainable solutions to address water challenges, I get excited at the kind of conversations that you're going to be having. To that end, Climate change is a topic that's really passionate and close to my heart. What I wanted to find out was, what do you think uh, sort of the steps that can be taken to accelerate the pace of change? And um, in all these countries, agreeing and um, making sure that they stick to the Paris Agreement. I know we've got COP26 coming up uh, later on in the year. And all of this, this is where climate change is going to be spoken about. Now, yes, we may be talking about global commodities only for now. However, it's existing at the intersection of, uh, you know, food, climate change, water and all of that. What are your thoughts around accelerating the pace of uh, change and making sure that all the other nations really take seriously the topic of climate change? For sure, that's really uh, the key question of the next uh, years. It was a key question even before, but now it becomes a little bit more high in the political agenda because we have seen everywhere in the world and especially in the developing world. Now it was a little bit in the developed world, so they are a little bit more alert to that. But in your region uh, and especially in the subtropical region, the question of climate change and what would you describe with Malawi, with flooding and drying, etc., etc., those phenomena are really no current in your country and affecting not only the climate as such, but affecting the revenue and the capacity to diversify and trying to have previsibility. So how do we adapt activities, trade to this climate change? Because, of course, the developing world, there is a different shared responsibility. They are not responsible of the CO2 emission and the biggest emitter are the US, China, and in third position, the EU. But uh, Africa, for instance, your country or your region, so low responsibility in the emission of the CO2, but they are affected strongly. And it's why it's important not only to say, okay, we need to finance green transition. For sure, it has to be done. And for sure, I hope that the COP26 could really uh, find good decision uh, in order to finance the climate change issues for the developing world. When I spoke just now about uh, diversification, how do we support, uh, how the country are supporting the sector 
which are really related to circular economy, capacity to not only to mitigate, but also to develop the sector, which will be the sector of the present and the future and not the sector of the past, uh, in order to address the question of uh, an ecological transition, which is benefit for all. So that's also something that we have to have in mind in the discussion in the COP26, but also in UNCTAD 15 and in the Commodities Forum. And climate change will be everywhere because it's Mm. not a... A technical issue for some ecologists is an issue for all of us, for all uh, economic development and for all actors in the society. And I am really happy to hear that you are really concerned about uh, this issue because I think that we need really also strong call from developing world, not only to ask uh, for finance support, and that's also financing for development globally and also for climate change, but also how they can adapt their industry and try to develop really the industry which is really adapted to the world of the 21st century. We have to adapt also trade with plus two degrees because frankly, we we do our best to avoid uh, more than 1.5 degrees. But probably uh, with this very slow path uh, from the Paris Agreement until now. And we have even seen that with the lockdown, it was not enough. Uh, When we blocked all activities for months, it's not enough to really reach the goal of the Paris Agreement. So it's important that uh, we could really realize how important are the contributions of all government and especially to support the developing countries to adapt their way to trade, their way to consume, their way to uh, produce uh, with the method and the strategy of the future. I mean, circular economy, renewable energy, and all those ways to really adapt uh, to trade with plus 1.5 degree. That's something mm-hmm. which is really important. That re- that also implies a lot of investment uh, in those countries. And it's why, of course, the question of financing for green transition is, of course, key for uh, the government in Africa. Isabel, like I mentioned before, uh, I think we should have had you for now. It's two hours. Um, uh, it's very clear we have a lot to talk about, uh, but uh, we are running quite heavy on time. I'm going to be the selfish host and have the last uh, question. Um, it's on, uh, I think, the elephant among elephants when it comes to world trade. It's uh, the Africa continental free trade area. Uh, as per last week, um, 38 countries have ratified. Only one country hasn't signed the agreement in your mandate as uh, UNCTAD, how essential is this particular uh, free trade area going forward for a continent that's looking at trade beyond aid? Oh, that is really a big, from the beginning, it was a big supporter of this regional approach of this African free trade area because the question of the barriers inside the continent has to be addressed differently. And it's true that they're willing to build uh, something which is more than the economic region already existing in the country. It's nice. It's, a, it's something which is useful, but it's not enough. And this continental approach is really important. But I know as a European how the integrate the market, it's an difficult issue because, of course, in Africa, there are winners and losers. Not all the countries in Africa are on this on equal level regarding economies, etc., and access to the sea, landlocked countries, uh, some specific uh, issues in, in various regions of Africa. So it's why it's so important to develop this regional approach of the regional markets uh, in order to develop something which is 
for the continent and not only having in mind the export, um, the EU or everywhere in the world. Uh, so I think we are supporting African free trade area through different ways. We are working a lot on rules of origin for some specific products in Africa. We are working with uh, EFCTA people and also with the different government in Africa about non-tariff barriers because it's not only a question of tariff, but it's also a question of non-tariff barriers that we have to change. The customs problems, uh, all those issues helping or contributing to a regional market. And a regional market is also important for the SMEs in, in Africa because it's true that um, it's more difficult for SMEs, which are probably the backbone of the recovery. Of, we say always that, but we have, we have to implement it as such. But if we want really to help or to support SMEs in various fields, uh, it's easier for them to export, first of all, in their region, because their region are close to, first of all, close regarding the, the distance, but not, not only the distance, it's also close regarding the habits of the consumers. The market are easier to really address the condition. So I think that it's really important to develop this regional approach as a way also to support activities within the regions between the countries in Africa in order to develop uh, more and more the capacity for the SMEs to be part of the global value chain and not only the longest value chain that we know today, which were affected by the COVID-19. And that's also something that the COVID-19 exacerbated. So yes, for us, it's really a key issue. We are working a lot on different fields um, and we are we try to support uh, the different countries, especially the poorest one, because for the strongest countries, it's easier, of course. But for the poorest or the, the countries in biggest difficulties in Africa, it's important that they could be also equipped to negotiate the the follow-up of this uh, this African free trade area. Thank you very much for that, uh, Isabel. Uh, any last words? Thank you. And uh, yes, available for other opportunities to speak about some development issues in, in Africa and, or in the developing world. Uh, that's our job. <laughs> Thank you very much, uh, Ms. Durant. Uh, we really appreciate the time. Um, I'm sure they're waiting for you at uh, one of the numerous sessions that uh, you will be attending. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I have to run. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, many thanks to uh, my co-host, uh, Dumi Jerry, also joining me from Johannesburg. Remember, uh, this uh, is a part of our series that we are running for the Global uh, Commodities Forum that's happening in Geneva, Switzerland. Uh, you just listened to the views of uh, Isabel Durant, who happens to be the Deputy Secretary General of the United Nations Conference on Trade and Development. If you missed anything in the course of the day or the week, uh, just uh, check out our social media. That's uh, on Twitter at Mansa underscore media. Or just check out the website. That's mansamedia.africa for me and the entire crew. Have a lovely day. The Weekly Beat by Mansa with your hosts, Arnold Segawa, Maggie Mutesi, and Dumi Jerry, giving you all the info on Africa's big finance and economic stories. The Weekly Beat by Mansa. Mansa.